What's happening in the world right now coming up on NTD News. First, our top stories. Teaching students using artificial intelligence. An Ivy League school is planning to introduce AI into the classroom this coming semester. Texas authorities find an 8-year-old and an 11-year-old abandoned and told to cross a river near the Mexico border by themselves. Find out just how much danger they were in. The IRS is warning of a new tax refund scam. It tricks taxpayers by sending letters complete with fake IRS masthead. Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Our top news is that artificial intelligence is set to support teaching at one of America's most elite and well-known universities. Specifically, AI will assist in computer science teaching at an Ivy League school. Here are the details. Students at Harvard's entry-level coding course, Computer Science 50, are set to partially be taught by an AI system in the fall semester. That's according to the school's newspaper, The Harvard Crimson, which says this is a new learning tool for students. The course's professor told the journal that AI will give feedback on the design of student programs, explain unfamiliar lines of code or error messages, and answer individual questions. Computer Science 50 is a popular course, getting about a thousand students each semester. The professor said our own hope is that through AI, we can eventually approximate a one-to-one teacher-student ratio for every student in CS50, as by providing them with software-based tools that 24-7 can support their learning. An AI expert commented on Harvard taking this step, telling Fox News that I would say the dangers are that we have to consider that these are statistical models. These will come up with the most probable answers and high probability can also mean mediocrity. So professors need to be there to provide exceptionalism. However, he said Harvard has taken the right approach by only implementing this in an introduction course. Two abandoned children from Guatemala were discovered by officials near the Texas border. The children told troopers a female adult left them to cross the Rio Grande River alone. The children are 8 and 11 years old. They say they were left at the edge of the river in Mexico and told to cross. A Texas Department of Public Safety spokesman said children who are smuggled across the border continue to be exploited and left abandoned in dangerous situations. He said authorities have recovered more than 900 children during smuggling and trafficking-related events. He did not give a time period for the 900 children. Hours later, the spokesman wrote on social media that authorities recovered four bodies, including an infant from the Rio Grande, within just 48 hours. A Florida man and a dozen illegal immigrants are in custody in Texas after a chase involving a big rig. The Texas Department of Public Safety posted this video of the high-speed pursuit in LaSalle County. DPS reports Eduardo Aradas was behind the wheel of the truck last Tuesday when authorities tried to pull him over on Highway 35 for a traffic violation. According to officials, he refused to stop and instead picked up speed. DPS pursued the vehicle, noting speeds reached 85 miles per hour at one point, and the truck started traveling on the wrong side of the highway. Eventually, they say the truck went off the road and the driver, as well as several passengers, bailed out. Aradas was apprehended along with 12 illegal immigrants. He now faces state criminal charges for smuggling and evading. The others have been referred to U.S. Border Patrol. Ohio's governor wants a disaster declaration from the precedent following the East Palestine train derailment earlier this year. 
Governor Mike DeWine has asked President Biden to issue a disaster declaration for East Palestine. Back in February, a Norfolk Southern train derailed, leading to the release of hazardous chemicals in the area. DeWine says a declaration is needed to ensure that federal and state governments use all resources available to assist the community in the aftermath. Norfolk Southern has reimbursed citizens and local governments for damages associated with the calamity, but the governor is concerned the train company may end its voluntary aid while future costs and developments have not been identified. As it is the nation's birthday, we take a critical look at what sets the U.S. apart. Earlier, I spoke with a recently retired Marine Lieutenant Colonel for some insight. Take a look. Joining me now is Tommy Waller, President and CEO of the Center for Security Policy. Thank you for your time today, Tommy. Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. As we reflect on this Independence Day, in your view, what is the nation's greatest virtue? Well, it's the fact that we're supposed to be governed uh, by consent. In you know, thousands of years of human history, what the founders created for us was different. In the past, you had, whether it was religious authorities or kings, uh, tyrants that, that governed the people. Uh, this was a change that our founders created uh, in human history. And it was that we, the people, would consent uh, to be governed. And I think that's probably one of the most important things we need to remember today on Independence Day, that that is what separates us from that 5,000 years of tyranny. We do not have the divine right of kings in this country. We actually have the populace with an ability to govern themselves by representation. America is called the land of the free. What are the threats to freedom at home and abroad? Well, Kevin, we have obviously a ton of threats uh, abroad. I mean, we can see what the Chinese Communist Party has done to its own people and what it plans to do to the rest of the world. There are, of course, tyrants ranging from Russia to North Korea to Iran. Um, But there's also a domestic enemy as you just mentioned. And that domestic enemy, unfortunately, uh, it, it includes people in our own national security establishment. Uh, the administrative state is one term that's been used, but those that actually uh, take away freedoms from, Amer- from the American people uh, from within our own government, unfortunately. And you touch on this briefly in your article, and I was hoping you can expand on this. What role does faith play in preserving the freedoms and the principles of this United States? Well, you look at the founders, right? I mean, they they came here because they were persecuted. They came here uh, first and foremost for religious freedom. And so when it comes to the defense of the republic, faith is incredibly important. That's one of the things that, unfortunately, you know, my own career in the Marines uh, was ended uh, recently with the vaccine mandate. I stood for my faith, right? And, uh, And that put me at odds with this administrative state, with this national security establishment. And Kevin, one thing I do want to mention about that uh, is just today, the most profound story about that unlawful mandate uh, was released today in a book um, written by Commander Rob Green, an active duty Navy commander, called Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines. And what do you think Americans need to know right now as we look on this Independence Day with some reflection? Just know that we have to have some seriousness. We need to celebrate our freedom But we need to think back to the founders who were quite solemn. They were quite serious. They knew what we were up against at the time. And it was miracles and and our faith that got us through it. We're up against a lot of challenges, Kevin, right now. And it's going to be faith in each other and faith in our creator that will get us through. 
That is really insightful. Tommy Waller, President and CEO of the Center for Security Policy, it was great speaking with you. Thank you, Kevin, for having me on. As we continue our coverage, we'll bring you a store that sells products that are 100% made in America, even the packaging. Find out what the CEO has to say in a special Independence Day interview. And a huge crack in a North Carolina roller coaster support beam as roller coaster cars zoom past on video. Get that story in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. Hundreds of thousands of people are gathered in the heart of the nation for the July 4th parade, including NTD's Melina Wisecup. We bring her in live to tell us what's going on. We're here in the heart of the nation for the annual Independence Day parade, and the environment is so strong. Everybody's very pumped, of course. Let's take a look at this beautiful parade that's passing by. You see some folk dancers, some people waving flags. Of course, you hear the band. You have to have a band at these types of parades because they really amp up the environment. Very beautiful parade. You have some people over on a float doing meditation exercises. Just a very lovely environment out here in Washington, D.C. What a holiday. There are hundreds of thousands of people here in attendance, and they are super pumped, including some who came from out of state just for this very day. We met Haley over here, who's actually from Oklahoma, and she traveled about four hours. Mm -hmm. Yes. Awesome. So this is your first Independence Day parade in D.C. How do you feel? This is really cool. It's really amazing. Awesome. How are you guys feeling? I think it's awesome. We've never been here, been experienced anything like this before, so we're having a really fun time. Awesome. What's your favorite part of the parade? Do you like the bands, the dancers, the flags? What do you like the most? Probably the bands. Yeah. yeah. You really bring the environment, huh? Sure. Yeah. And then the fireworks. You guys are seeing fireworks later tonight. Where are you headed? Oh, we'll probably go to the Washington Monument. We heard that's a pretty good spot to watch them. It definitely is. And anywhere around in D.C., you can see the fireworks very clearly because the buildings are so short. And hundreds of thousands of people, as expected every year, will head to the National Monument, just like this lovely family, to watch the fireworks tonight. So I hope you all have a great Independence Day. Happy holiday. Thanks for that update, Melina. A lot of red, white, and blue out there, and you can hear the band. So what do Americans spend their money on for Independence Day? WalletHub compiled some numbers. Here's what they found. Americans plan to spend $9.5 billion in food alone for the 4th of July. Some of that will go to 150 million hot dogs. Another $3 billion will go to beer and wine. And $6.5 billion to American flags. Americans will drop another $2.7 billion on fireworks. Bills from emergency room visits for firework mishaps weren't part of the calculation. And if you're feeling patriotic this Independence Day, check out the Made in America store. Everything in the store is 100% made in the USA. NTD Business's Don Ma speaks with the CEO for more details. And here with me is Mark Andel, CEO of the Made in America store. So I understand everything in your store is made in America. I mean, Independence Day it must be one of the best days for you, Mark. Yeah, it's my favorite day. Uh, I love America and I love... Uh our American-made product and uh, support the skilled trades. Um, people make some really nice products. You know, maybe you can tell us to what extent does that mean, every, Made in America store? Yeah, so our Made in America store uh, started 13 years ago now. Uh, down we uh, 13 years strong. 
Uh, our concept and core value was that uh, every product in my store has to be 100% made in America. That means uh, the components that are used to make that product have to be 100%, the glue, the packaging. So it's pretty neat. And we're up to 14,100% made in America products. And uh, we support 500 privately owned American businesses. Our mission statement is to create and save quality livelihoods in the United States of America by increasing American manufacturing for our children's future. And it truly is done for our children's future. You know, I grew up, my parents, uh, my dad taught me how to work with my hands. And, you know, I could always uh, get a job working with my hands, building a product. Plus, I could take care of my own stuff, like my, my vehicle, my car, my truck, or the house. So everybody should learn how to work with their hands at some point. I've been interviewed around the world in every country. They believe in supporting the country we live in, 50-50 fair trade. But we, uh, you know, a strong country is one that uh, the fabric of America was uh, making things in America. I mean, I can only imagine the, the challenges that this in, in endeavor uh, sees. How do you ensure the products are made in America? Yeah, so we triple that. We, uh, you know, before anybody can sell a product in our store, they have to fill out three letters of authenticity on each product. And that product, uh, they have to state the components that are in each product. A product might have 15 components. If it's a glue, if it's a box, if it's the paint, that has to be 100% also. Um, so we vet them. They have to, you know, number one, fill out these forms, send them back to us. We have to please it and go through it. And then once we uh, know that they're 100 um, percent, we allow them in the store. Now, some companies might make a certain amount of their, you know, SKU numbers or, or part numbers. Uh, maybe all their products aren't 100 percent, but we'll only carry the ones that are 100 percent. Again, because that's our concept and core value. Uh, we're, uh, you know, we've done all the homework for our customer when they come through the doors or if they go to madeinamericastore.com, uh, they're ensured that we are 100%. What do you say to the narrative that made in America products are more expensive than foreign made products? Yeah, not true uh, because I've proved that, but there's more profit margins a lot of times, but now with a higher cost of shipping containers and whatnot, we can compete. Um, you know, our flags, our clothing, our t-shirt, we sell t-shirt average cost $25. It's right in line, the profit margin might be more for the company that buys overseas and sells it here. They don't share the profit with, with the customer. They keep that for their pocket. So the prices, our prices are surprisingly in line with everybody. And it's a quality superior product most of the time. I mean, what, what do you say to the companies where they're exporting manufacturing to, to foreign countries because it's cheaper? I mean, how do you argue against that? Yeah, they have to have thought. And I was always challenged with that. Everybody isn't as patriotic as you. I love America. But they have to wake up, they have to do the math, and now staying within our borders makes sense. Shipping containers went from maybe $4,000 to $30,000 to get one over. They have to uh, really think about more than just the dollar. They have to really care about the country they live in and support the country they live in. Because we, you want to have a strong base, you want to put your people to work, and you want to feel good about that. But a lot of people just don't think that far. I do, I, I just think um, it's very, very important to build and make things in your country and support the country you live in. All right, thank you so much, Marco. It was great talking to you. Okay, done. The Internal Revenue Service is warning taxpayers to be on alert for a new tax refund scam. The agency says the scam involves mail coming in a cardboard envelope from a delivery service, and the letter inside includes the IRS masthead. 
The wording on the letter says it is, quote, in relation to your unclaimed refund. It includes contact information and a phone number that does not belong to the IRS. It also asks for personal information, including a picture of your driver's license and bank routing information. But the agency says it contains red flags that mark it as a scam, including strange wording, odd punctuation, a mixture of fonts, and inaccurate information on tax return deadlines. And just a reminder, the IRS will never contact you via email, text, or through social media. A frightening sight, a popular roller coaster at North Carolina's Carowinds Amusement Park remained closed today. That's after it was shut down when a visitor recorded a video showing a cracked support pillar. In a statement, Carowinds said the Fury 325 ride was closed after park personnel became aware of the crack. The statement added that all rides at the park undergo daily inspections to ensure they're properly functioning and structural integrity. The video shows a diagonal crack in the steel pillar, which would move out of place when cars went by at high speed. The man who took the video told park officials and also called the local fire department. Fury 325 is named for its maximum track height of 325 feet. The park's website says the coaster reaches speeds of up to 95 miles per hour. Carowin said the ride will remain closed until repairs are complete. Turning to Florida, authorities say a man shined a laser at a police helicopter and temporarily blinded the crew. They arrested 26-year-old Juan Lozada Zamorano in Tampa shortly after the incident Monday morning. Tracking him was fairly easy since the laser came out of an apartment. He's now facing a third-degree felony charge for misuse of a laser lighting device. The helicopter pilots were not injured. The largest poultry producer in the United States, Tyson Foods, plans to start giving its chickens antibiotics once again. The shift comes eight years after the company announced it was ditching the drugs and began putting a no-antibiotics-ever label on its chicken packages. Now Tyson says its labeling will be seen on packages of its chicken by the end of the year. The new labels will state no antibiotics important to human medicine. That's a standard recognized by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the World Health Organization, which allows for the use of antibiotics not crucial to the treatment of human diseases. Tyson says about half of U.S. poultry farmers use some form of antibiotics to help keep chickens healthy. Antibiotic use in food has come under scrutiny in recent years since some bacteria have become increasingly resistant to treatment as a result of frequent exposure to antibiotics. As for other major chicken producers in the U.S., Purdue says it still does not use antibiotics, and Pilgrim's Pride says it uses some. Pass the ketchup, please. Many Americans will celebrate Independence Day with hamburgers and hot dogs and ketchup. And lately, some social media users have been debating how to best store the popular condiment. Ketchup maker Kraft Heinz recently weighed in on the issue, saying in a tweet, ketchup goes in the fridge. A day later, the company asked the public via Twitter poll whether they kept their ketchup chilled or in the pantry. Over 13,000 people responded. More than 63% said the fridge. Nearly 37% said they preferred their ketchup in the cupboard. In 2017, a Twitter user posted the same question to Heinz. At the time, Heinz responded, because of its natural acidity, Heinz ketchup is shelf-stable, but refrigerate after opening to maintain product quality. Just ahead, a UN nuclear watchdog unveiled its assessment of Japan's Fukushima water discharge. 
Is the water safe after being treated from the damaged nuclear power plant? The new Barbie movie won't be released in Vietnam. It's not the first time Vietnam has blocked a movie for the same reason. We'll have those details for you when we return. Good to have you back. We're continuing with some news from Asia. Floods from heavy rains gushed through a city in southwestern China, washing away homes and other facilities. Footage on social media shows a building in Chongqing partially collapsing into raging floodwaters. Authorities said no one was injured and more than 100 residents were evacuated. Elsewhere in the city, water rushed through flooded areas, engulfing cars and streets. Chongqing is one of the most populous cities in China. Days of downpours led to one of the strongest stretches of rainfall in the region. The disaster follows a string of torrential rains, flash floods, and deadly mudslides that have plagued China for the past month. Japan plans to release water from the old Fukushima nuclear plant into the sea, but is it safe? A U.N. nuclear watchdog handed the results of a two-year study to Japan's Prime Minister Fumio Kishida today, and it's good news for him. The International Atomic Energy Agency says the plan meets international safety standards and will have a negligible impact. As a responsible leader of the international community, I have repeatedly stated that I will not allow a discharge that would have a harmful impact on human health and the environment of both Japan and the world. A tsunami destroyed the Fukushima nuclear power plant 12 years ago. Japan plans to release the treated water into the ocean, a process that will take over three decades to complete. Beijing has tried to characterize the move as harming the environment. Japan hasn't specified a date to start releasing the water. That's pending formal approval from nuclear regulators. A final decision could come as early as this week. Vietnam's government has blocked Warner Brothers' highly anticipated film, Barbie. The problem is just one scene with a particular map. Here's more. Hi, Ken. Warner Brothers' highly anticipated Barbie movie has been banned in Vietnam. Why? The film shows a map in one scene with borders that are a highly debated issue of national security and sovereignty. The borders of the South China Sea. Borders that are hotly contested by China, Vietnam, and other countries in the region, including U.S. allies. That's according to Vietnamese state media. The Barbie map shows borders which China uses to illustrate its claims over vast areas of the sea, including parts of what Vietnam considers its continental shelf, Vietnam has also awarded oil concessions there and has repeatedly accused Chinese vessels of violating its sovereignty. Disputes between militaries often happen in the area, such as this incident in February where the Philippine military accused China's Coast Guard of using a laser to try and disrupt a Navy mission there. It's also the scene of a steady military buildup, such as the Spratly Islands, where China's built islands with runways and missiles on reefs. The Vietnamese government previously blocked the DreamWorks cartoon Abominable in 2019 and Sony's action movie Uncharted last year for the same issue with maps. Warner Brothers did not respond to a request for comment. 
Next, we get some insight into Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's visit to China on Monday and a warning against travel to China. Here's more. Please welcome retired U.S. Marine Colonel Grant Newsham, who is also a research fellow at the Japan Forum for Strategic Studies and author of the book, When China Attacks, A Warning to America. Thank you so much for your time today, Grant. We're glad to be here. Thanks for having me. What impact do you think Yellen's visit to China will have on the microchip war between the two countries? Well, it shouldn't have much. But what I think is going to happen is that uh, Janet Yellen is going and the idea is to talk with the Chinese. And like Americans think, if you talk to people, you can work out all problems. And if it goes like it's happened in the past, the Americans will offer some concessions to get more talks from the Chinese as a show of good faith. And I think we might see some relaxation on U.S. Uh, sanctions, uh, particularly the ones involving chips, semiconductors. You might even also get a reduction in uh, the tariffs, which the Trump administration put on and the Biden uh, crowd has kept. Uh, so that's one of my biggest uh, concerns, actually, is that we do go, as we've done in the past, and we offer up some concessions. Uh, could be I'll be surprised if I am uh, wrong about this. I'll be pleasantly surprised about that. But that's what I think is going to happen. We've seen this before. It's almost a, re a re repeatable process is we go and talk, we offer something in good faith. The Chinese don't really change much, so we go and repeat the process. Uh, but we'll see how this goes. We'll have to keep a close eye on if any concessions are made. And that's, that's the export controls that the Chinese regime is putting on these semiconductor materials. The Chinese regime is now arbitrarily enforcing laws, and this has led to the United States State Department putting out a warning for Americans traveling to the country. People could be detained without even knowing what crimes they allegedly committed. Why do you think the CCP would detain and interrogate academics, government leaders, as well as journalists? Well, it's partly because they think they can get away with it now. Uh, it is what you do if you're sort of a lawless regime, a lawless country, where you take hostages effectively, and you can get the other side to back down and do or give you something that you want. Now, we've actually seen this in the past. It's really nothing new. Uh, a few years ago, for example, uh, when the uh, the CFO of Huawei, the Chinese company, was uh, detained in Canada for extradition to the U.S., uh, the Chinese promptly took uh, two Canadians hostage, uh, for, and then ultimately the Canadians uh, got the Americans to release the Huawei CFO after a few years. The two Canadians, the two Michaels is what they're called, uh, they have not been seen publicly since they returned to Canada. It's thought they got treated very, very badly. But this is nothing new. In the 2000s, uh, China was taking hostages and uh, Australians and that kid, in one case, uh, because they didn't like the price they were getting for Australian iron ore. So it really is nothing new. Uh, it's always been a risk of doing business, of being in China. And it doesn't ha just to have, uh, have to have a business connection. But if you can intimidate uh, if you can threaten uh, academics, journalists, and the like, you'll get people to respond the way you, you want. Uh, unfortunately, if we don't back off, um, push back on this, we're going to get more of it. And this is a level three warning. That's to reconsider travel. There's only one higher than that. That's level four, do not travel. I want to get your thoughts on this, Colonel Anusham. What do you think Americans need to remember as we reflect on this Independence Day? Well, you have to remember just what an amazing thing America is. There's never been anything like it. And in my case, it, 
had to get a lot older before I realized that it's not something you take for granted. But this is an experiment uh, that I think was brought about by divine providence. I don't see any other way to explain it. If you look at the odds that the people who made America back in the 18th century uh, faced when they took on Britain, uh, they were so overwhelming, nobody would have bet on them. But it has really paid off. But it's something that has to be preserved. It can be lost. And we have to work very hard to preserve this system that we have, preserve America. And that's still going to take a lot of work. It's not something that just uh, exists on autopilot. Uh, so really, it's a gratitude that we should feel. Plus, it is a, a recognition that we have got to preserve this thing and do whatever is necessary to do it. Retired U.S. Marine Colonel Grant Newsham, I really do appreciate your insight on this. Well, thanks very much. It's the second day of a live fire exercise in southern Taiwan. Soldiers are training to fire Stinger missiles and operate the Avenger air defense missile system. Artillery trainees were seen shooting down aerial targets during the drill. The exercise was held at a strategic location for monitoring Chinese military activity. It's also a potential landing site in the event of an invasion. A defense ministry spokesman said eight Chinese aircraft crossed the median line of the Taiwan Strait today. The median line is known as the unofficial border between the two sides. Beijing has long claimed Taiwan as its own territory, despite never having ruled the island. China routinely sends military aircraft close to Taiwan. Just ahead, a Russian journalist and her lawyer were attacked in Russia. Armed masked men allegedly assaulted them. Find out where they were headed. NATO countries extend the term for Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg. It's the fourth time his term has been extended. Find out more shortly here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. Some disturbing news. A prominent Russian journalist and her lawyer were attacked in Chechnya by masked men. They were set to attend the court hearing of a woman they believe was persecuted by authorities. Yelena Milashina was seriously injured in the attack. She said the armed masked men forced her car to stop on their way from the airport to the court. She told a Chechen human rights official it was a classic kidnapping. Milashina said they put a gun to her head after throwing her driver out of the car. A photograph shows her with a shaved head and a cast on her hand amid reports that several of her fingers were broken. Her face was covered with green dye. There was no immediate comment on the incident from Chechen authorities. The leader of the region is a close ally of President Putin. Milishina has spent years investigating alleged human rights abuses in Chechnya. She previously worked at a Russian newspaper that was banned last year. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg is keeping his position for another year until October 2024. NATO extended his tenure rather than find a successor as it deals with Russia and the war in Ukraine at its doorstep. This was Stoltenberg meeting with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in Kyiv earlier this year. Stoltenberg's term was supposed to end this coming September, although the extension isn't totally unexpected by NATO watchers. He's been in the job since 2014 and was already extended three times. 
A debate on who could replace him has been raging behind closed doors in European and North American capitals for a while, with no obvious frontrunner. Stoltenberg has a lot on his plate. In addition to the immediate problems of the war, such as strategy and weapon donations to Ukraine, NATO's trying to negotiate Sweden's bid for membership. Hungary and Turkey have so far blocked it. Ukraine, too, has been pressing to join NATO soon after the war ends. There's also the long-term problem of whether NATO should become more involved in Asia, countering China, which the U.S. has been pushing for, although France would rather keep focus on the North Atlantic. Local politicians on Britain's Orkney Islands say they are considering what they're calling alternative forms of governance, including potentially leaving the UK and becoming part of Norway instead. That's according to its council leader. Orkney is an archipelago about 10 miles off the north of Scotland, made up of about 70 islands and with a population of 22,000 people. So why would they consider such a drastic measure? The council leader, James Stocken, says the islands have been financially neglected by the Scottish and British governments for years. We don't seem to be getting the same amount of resource, even as the other islands. We don't get the same support mechanisms for our ferries. And we have a particular challenge now because all our ferries need replaced and nobody is coming to help us to find the capital to do that. Orkney does have historic Nordic connections. The islands were part of Norway for about 500 years until 1472. Stocken says locals, called Orcadians, regularly ask him for a return to that country given the shared cultural affinity. Our culture, the way we operate as a very flat society, as a very inclusive society, very much reflects what I find in, 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 in the Nordic countries. Mm. And I would say that that really, you know, puts us in a different place. Stocken has proposed a motion for the council to look at other governance models that, quote, provide greater fiscal security and economic opportunity. Councillors will decide whether to back it or not on Tuesday. Among the options, as well as rejoining Norway, are other British arrangements like becoming a crown dependency, which is the system of government in the Channel Islands, or a model like the Faroe Islands, a self-governing part of Denmark. A spokesperson for Norway's foreign ministry made no comment on whether the Orkney or UK authorities had been in contact on this issue, adding that it had no view on the proposed motion. Still to come, as the cost of living rises, more people are going without. We hear from a self-starter in Australia who's doing what she can to help. After Welcome back. As the cost of living rises and more people are having to go without, without food, even housing or other essentials, with a little support, it's that much easier to survive another day. And today's Stephania Cox speaks to a self-starter in a little town down under who's doing it tough with a smile and helping others along the way. 
people are really, really struggling. Maria Martin runs a charity in Cardiff, Australia. She says with rising prices, every day now, they see people who can no longer afford to feed themselves while also paying their mortgage. You wouldn't expect that in Australia. What we're seeing is like third world country, people really starving and things like that. But she knows what it's like to fear for her life and keep on fighting to survive. Years earlier, suffering from domestic violence. Our perpetrator um, tried to kill my daughter and myself, um, and we were very lucky that the police got us. But soon after, being held at gunpoint. I had my little girl in front of me when the gunman come in, and you can imagine, um, we both suffer PTSD from that. We've never got over it, so that was a hard thing. I used to stay at home and just take my daughter to school and then come home. I, I just didn't cope very well after it. Then she was diagnosed with cancer. And I thought, what else can I have? And I thought, you know what, well, I've got to be here for my little girl. So um, starting the charity was really good therapy for me too because it took my mind off what I was going through. Um, and I had to be there for my little girl. I couldn't leave her. She was like 11. So, you know, that's the last thing you want to do. It was just her and I because she didn't have a relationship with her father for what had happened. Um, so, yeah, so that's how Survivors got its name. Survivors are us helping survivors of domestic violence, homelessness and unemployment to make it through and thrive. One of the deals we've got here is fill a for, uh, bag for $14. They get up to the value of $50 worth of food in that bag. Um, and it's all these staples that they're needing. You know, the everyday things that we might take for granted, they can put in those bags. We've also got fresh bread every day for them. Um, we've got fruit and veg on a Friday for them. We do a hot breakfast on a Monday and a Thursday, so it's a full hot cooked breakfast. And we do a lunch on a Wednesday, which is a hot cooked meal for $2. Because what we find with homeless people and people who are struggling, they still like to pay their own way. There's a thrift store with homemade wares, as well as counselling and support groups for women and for men. And they can just sit and talk about anything they want to talk about, but we do have a support worker and we do have a counsellor available. So if somebody is really traumatised or something like that, we can get them straight over into counselling. And then on the Thursday, we have Ken's Corner, which is named after my beautiful father. He wanted to make sure that men didn't get left behind. Maria says a lot of the young men who come to help or come looking for help haven't got a father figure in their lives. And she says some men also suffer from domestic violence, though it may be more verbal than physical. We probably get through the facility 20 men a week that are suffering domestic violence. And that's really sad to see that. And so that's why we make sure that we look after the men here and making sure that they're okay. But Maria says most people are surviving something. Most people these days are surviving some form of either tragedy or something going on in their lives, their personal lives. So yeah, having an organisation like this that they can come and visit and have beautiful staff look after them. And she's grateful for the gifts that have come from keeping on. We hope this helps you and we're all thinking of you. I think it took my tragedy of what I've been through to actually make me realise. And so it made me a better person, I believe, to be able to get out there and help people and give back into the community and seeing the people that we help here. Every staff member, including Maria, is a volunteer. 
you know, like I say, none of us get paid. We're all here just as volunteers and we love being here as volunteers. And my payment is seeing that smile on the face. They might come in and they're crying and they're so distressed and all I want to do is pick them up and hug them, which I do. I make sure I ask first because that's the appropriate thing to do. But, you know, when you see them walk back out that door and they've just got that glimmer of hope that their life's going to change around and somebody did that for me and look what that's done. It's I've got a beautiful life now. I've, my daughter's healthy and well and we're safe and life's just beautiful. And if we can do that to other people, that's, that's my mission solved. Never give up. Seek help if you need it. Because, Maria says, it can take just one little thing to change everything and turn your life around. Reporting in New South Wales, Australia, Stephanie Cox, NTD News. All right. Animals at Brookfield Zoo in Illinois got special treats for the 4th of July. They could be seen among patriotic displays, eating food in patriotic colors and shapes. A polar bear named Hudson and Axie, a brown bear, received fruit frozen in red, white, and blue blocks of ice. Axie could also be seen eating corn on the cob. California sea lions and gray seals received July 4th blocks of ice with sugar-free gelatin and fish. The zoo says giving the animals items they don't typically receive keeps them physically and mentally stimulated. The zoo's website says it has over 3,400 animals and over 500 species. They are housed across 235 acres. The zoo opened in 1934. It's located just 12 miles from downtown Chicago. Check this out. Four sisters are surprised to find out that they are all pregnant at the same time and all set to give birth around the same time, too. The sisters are spread across three different states. For the oldest sister, Jenna Primsky, this will be her second child. The three younger sisters are all having their first child. Jenna and the youngest sister, Jaden, even have the exact same due date, October 1st. The due date for Jessica is November 17th, and for Jordan, it's August 3rd. Jenna lives in Colorado, Jessica and Jordan live close to each other in Nebraska, and Jaden lives in Texas. Three new moms are all planning separate baby showers. That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. Have a great holiday. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.